Next on BYU Sports Nation, with Puka Nakua gone to the National Football League, does BYU football have a clear-cut number one wide receiver heading into their first Big 12 season? And do they even need one? Considering the variety of weapons Keaton Slovis has to choose from, it's all up for discussion right now on BYU Sports Nation. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Today is Tuesday, May 23rd. Wow, we're already towards the end of May. June's but coming. June we is coming. That's right. My name is Jason Shepard, alongside a guy who just can't get to his new Minnesota Vikings jersey fast enough. He is Dave McCann. Have you ordered that thing yet on NFL.com? No, but two years ago, I went searching and found a Jets shirt. I know. I and so I'm, you know, now that the pictures are out of Jaron Hall and he looks good in a Vikings uniform. I'm not a Viking kind of guy. It looks but you very know what? good on him, yes. I, I'm going to have to get a Vikings to represent the, the Halls, absolutely. So now you mentioned that when, when Zach went to the Jets, you got the, the, the Jets t shirt. So do you not have an NFL? Do you just kind of follow the, like certain players? Do I'm you have an NFL team? I, I, but we, do you have an NFL team? We grew up cheering for the Cowboys. Okay. Because Roger Staubach sat with my parents on a flight. Uh, <laughs> and then next thing you know, we had footballs and autographs coming to me and my two older brothers at the house. Wow. We were all in. Do you still have that, by the way? No. But we were all in. Uh, eventually, we took the football out to the side yard. We, we just couldn't resist. <laughs> Look, it's a football. It's yeah. made to be thrown, yeah, we right? We loved it. As kids, uh, Roger Staubach wanted us to wear that football. Yeah. Out. But that's what brought us to the Cowboys. Now it's whoever's on my fantasy team. There you Things go. Things have changed. Yeah, it's the, whole, not, the whole dynamic has I'm shifted. I'm not a memorabilia guy. It's, I have a Jets t-shirt. I don't, I don't think I have anything else. I got a lot of this stuff. Uh, but do you collect stuff? If you got, hey, I need not, a Steelers jersey. Not, no, 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 no. When it comes to when it comes to stuff like that, I'm I stick 100% with my own teams. I don't own stuff from other teams. I have some Cubs shirts. I'll give you. Nah, you can give them to you me. You can use them. I, I need those to you know clean up dust, some things <laughs> like that around the house. So what I'm saying, there are a lot of people. Obviously, it's a billion dollar business. Yes. It's uh, I got to have the hat. I got to have the shirt. I have the socks and this and that. But. And I have to have an autograph. Yeah. I've just never been that way. But uh, but for the teams I like, like the two, yeah. the Cubs and, and, and the Cougars, I got, I got plenty of that stuff. Well, hey, and the good news is there's going to be, look, there's going to be a lot of uh, number 16 Minnesota Vikings fans walking around uh, Provo uh, in the very near future once those jerseys are available Absolutely. to purchase. What's on today's show? We got a lot going on. Austin Deming, he's the Triple Crown winner in the WCC. He's going to be sitting right over there, right next to Cole Gamble, hit a home run in his last at bat at BYU. Two of the great baseball Cougars to come through. We're going to break down the top five transfers in BYU football history. Who do you think should be number three? Yeah, no one really thinks about that. <laughs> we all think about number one. It's very random. Think about that. Who do you think should be number three? We're going to have that coming up a bit later. And we have live golf, not live golf. We have live golf with Spencer and Jerem. They're at the annual BYU Corporate Sponsorship Golf Tournament. So we'll check in with those guys as well. It's a loaded Tuesday. Loaded indeed. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguardswithaz.com. 
Talking BYU receivers, and the BYU receiver room is getting more and more crowded, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Uh, The Cougar offense has options at wide receiver. You have guys like Cody Epps, Keanu Hill, and Chase Roberts returning from last year's squad, as well as transfer additions in Keelan Marion and Darius Lassiter. So, Dave, with so many options at wide receiver, does Keaton Slovis need an established go-to guy for the offense to be successful? Do they have to have a wide receiver number one? I love this topic. Every quarterback seems to find a guy. In the NFL, they all seem to have a guy that's going to bail them out. Last year, we throw Puka Nakua in there as the number one guy, even though he wasn't the number one guy in every game. But toward the end, it certainly went healthy uh, when they needed the touchdown against Boise State. I'm just going to chuck it up to Puka. Right. That was just going to happen. Um, but, but last year it was unique, especially with some of the guys coming back. Um, the go-to guy against Baylor was Chase Roberts. The go-to guy against Notre Dame was Cody Epps. Keanu Hill was the go-to guy against Wyoming, South Florida, um, uh, uh, Utah Tech. You know, we had three touchdowns in the third, second quarter. So everyone's had their moments. So I don't know if there was just the one guy, largely because of Puka's health. But with this group coming back, Keanu Hill's an attractive target. Robert's an attractive target. Uh, Cody Epps, we know what he can do. And then these newcomers with Roberts, uh, or with Lassiter and Marion. And then you got Parker Kingston, Dom Henry, and and some of the others. Who of that group would you say, please be the number one? Yeah, look, there's... That's hard to answer right now because I think so many of them could be the number one option. I mean, we still are learning about the guys that are coming in via the transfer portal. We certainly know a lot more about Epps and Hill and Roberts just because we've seen more of them. Look, I, I, I think Cody Epps, from what we've seen, has the potential to be a number one guy. I think Chase Roberts can also do that. And, and look, I realize I'm, I'm going through all of them, but I, I think that's why... Normally you hear this with quarterbacks where like if you have two, you have none. I don't think that's the case here with the receivers where you have so many, if you don't have a dominant go-to clear-cut number one wide receiver that you don't have any. I I think it's actually just the opposite. And I think with this position, with what BYU has done, and I didn't even really look at it as a problem that needed to be fixed. I was actually quite happy with what was coming back before any of the transfers even became part of the equation. But I feel like BYU's like, look, let's throw a bunch of numbers at this. There may be somebody that gravitates towards the top and becomes that guy because there always is. But I don't know if you go in saying, okay, well, you're going to be the number one option and then you're going to be number two. I don't think you need to have that with this option. And we haven't even touched on the fact that we're, we haven't even talked about the tight ends, which I expect to have a significantly larger role. I, I, I don't look at the fact that maybe BYU doesn't have a number one option as a bad thing. I think there's a lot of guys, to your point, it was what you were talking about last year. You could have a game where Cody Epps just absolutely kills it. And then the next game, it's Lassiter. And then Chase Roberts comes in and really is just kind of clicking. I think that's what you can have. And then if one of those guys turns out to be a dominant Go-to receiver, great. But I just don't know if you need to have that with this offense. If there is one, if I had to choose one, I would choose Isaac Rex to be <laughs> Keaton Slovis's number one target, his bailout guy, his go-to guy. Because if he is, that means big things are available for the receivers downfield. I look at how Dennis Pitta worked with Max Hall. What did that mean for Austin Collie? They put Austin Collie in the NFL. Yeah. Because everyone's like, oh, he's going to go to Dennis. You know what? He did go to Dennis. 
Uh, there's Johnny Harleen. There's Clay Brown. There's Gordon Hudson. Whenever BYU's had a dominant tight end, everybody prospers. Uh, and so going into this season, and, and Slovis and, and, and Isaac spent a lot of time together working out down in Southern California at Isaac's house. Um, I like this bond. And that bond hasn't been over the middle of the field the last couple of years. Uh, Isaac Rex has 21 touchdowns in his career. If he gets back to those rookie numbers, to where he was the target, he was Zach Wilson's bailout guy. And what did that mean for everybody else? They're wide open because everyone's worried about the big guy over the middle. If they can restore that, and that's Keaton Slovis's number one guy, everybody wins. If it's Cody Epps, then put two guys on Cody Epps yeah, and take him out. Right. Um, you know, it's great to have options, but I love the 6-6 tight end. Let him be the number one target. Yeah, I, I expect a significant increase in his, first of all, his looks, but second of all, his receptions and his touchdowns. I, I think we're going to get back to what we saw as, as a freshman right. where he was absolutely dominant in his freshman season. Now you know what else we saw when he was a freshman? 10-1. and one. <laughs> That's true. I'll also take that. I'll take that as well. It was an 11 and 1. It was something in one. Yeah. It was, it was, the offense just clicked because there was a big go to guy. Well, and look, and he, he's a full year now removed from being from being hurt he's a he played last year he was not 100 percent all year long the fact that he was able to do what he did that soon after a pretty significant leg injury was pretty impressive so to get him back healthier and now I, I think the offense will dictate more looks his way I think Keaton Slovis from what we've seen just in his um, arsenal before he I think he's probably going to use the tight end a little bit more than maybe what we saw from Jaron Hall last year but I, I, I just look a quarterback. You got to have a guy that's your quarterback. You got to have a number one quarterback. I think, f to a large degree, you need to have a go-to running back. Now you can certainly do that by committee. We've seen BYU you do that a lot. But I, I do, at the end of the day, still think you need a go-to running back. Yeah. Committees aren't great. No, but for a receiver, when you've got this much talent, I just don't know if it is imperative. You have to have one guy that you know game in and game out is the one that's going to get all the looks. I, I just don't know, especially with the guys. And look, and this, let's, let's bring this up. This is our stat of the day. Let's get to this because I think this is pretty interesting. Our stat of the day here about the BYU receivers. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU returns four players who had at least 20 receptions, 300 yards, and three touchdowns last season. And that's the first time that BYU has had that coming back since the 2008 season. So the guys that we're talking about, so the guys that are coming back this year from last year that had that. So again, at least 20 catches, 300 yards, and three touchdowns. You're talking about Keanu Hill, who had 36 catches, 572 and seven touchdowns. Cody Epps, 39 catches, four, almost 460 with six touchdowns. Isaac Rex, 22 for 320 and six. And Chase Roberts, 22 for 357 and three touchdowns. That's pretty impressive because you're comparing that to the last time it happened when the guys were some guys you just mentioned. Yeah. Dennis Pitta, Austin Colley, Harvey Unga, and Michael Reed. That's not bad. Who was the number one benefactor the last time the tight end was the go-to guy. It was Austin Colley. Well, no, I mean recently. Oh. It was Dax Mill. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Where's Dax Mill? In the NFL, in the NFL with NFL. the Commanders. Uh, and, and, and Dax Mill was huge downfield because Isaac Rex was big over the middle. So I'm sticking with that one. Get Rex. Make him the go-to guy. Everyone wins. Yeah. Uh, as they did back in 2008. 
and uh, and we'll see. But yeah. It's nice to have the options that they have. Do they need a number one? Probably not. Would they be better with the number one? If the tight end's the number one at BYU, it always seems to be yes. And you look, by the end of the year, there will probably be somebody that emerges that we look back and say, okay, well, we went in thinking you maybe don't need one, but as it, as it turned out, this is the player that ultimately became that guy. It will, yeah. it will work itself out. All right, you've heard from us. Now let's hear from you. Our question of the day is this. Does BYU need a clear-cut number one wide receiver to be successful this season? If so, who will it be? First response coming in via Twitter from Steven says, My money is on Keanu Hill. He's had a huge impact the last two seasons. I feel like it's time, it's his time to shine as wide receiver number one. I also expect to see a lot of Cody Epps and Isaac Rex. Those round out my expected top three. That's a good choice. Keanu's, uh, Keanu has a big 12 body heading into the big 12. This is a great opportunity. Absolutely. Also on Twitter, this one in from BYU Coog, 100,000. It's a very specific number to put in your Twitter handle. Uh, I don't think so. I think if you have reliable targets day in and day out, Keaton can find them and sling it to any of them. And I think that kind of goes to what we were talking about. I, I think that's the, the mentality you have, because I think you have multiple options who could be the number one. But when you have the collective, which is as talented as it is, I think all these guys are going to have opportunities to shine in just about every game this year. That's why Keaton's always so happy, I think, when we see him. <laughs> Wouldn't you be happy with the offense? Too. And then that offensive line is, is there to protect him. There's, there's reason for optimism going into a very challenging schedule yep. with these guys in the receiver core and at the tie end spot. All right, continue to weigh in. Don't forget, use hashtag BYUSN and chime in on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Speaking about that 2020 season, join us Friday for a BYU Sports Nation special. We look back at the 2020 Cougar football team, how they overcame a pandemic to deliver a memorable season. All fans are invited to watch. Remember, we hardly had any fans that season. So we're able to get in. We invite everybody. Watch at noon Eastern Friday on BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU's two super sluggers. Look, there they are looking handsome here in Studio B. Austin Deming, Cole Gamble. They will look back on their senior seasons and hey, what's next for both of them? We'll talk to them when we return. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. Back into Studio B. We are live on a Tuesday. This is your day-to-day -day BYU sports play-by-play -play alongside Dave McCann. My name is Jason Shepard, and we are joined by a couple of, uh, of superstars for the BYU baseball team. Austin Deming and Cole Gamble joining us here in Studio B. Guys, welcome. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Between the four of us, we, we combined for like 70 Khalid. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Awesome. Yes, yes, exactly. Look, first of all, so we were, we were showing those highlights, and both of you guys watching those highlights, massive smiles on your face. That brings back some good memories, doesn't it? Indeed. Yeah, I, I don't prefer to really go back and rewatch, so it's fun when I do every once in a while. Well, let's watch for a moment. Let's have some fun here. We're going to show your grand slam from the other okay. night. We want you to analyze it. <laughs> 
So, Austin, walk us through Cole's Grand Slam. It was a big moment in the eighth yep. inning. Everyone was anticipating one. You just got walked yep. to go to first to load them up, which actually moved the first base runner to second, which you don't often see. If first base isn't open, usually they'll pitch to a batter. Not you. They put you on. And so let's watch Cole, and you're our baseball analyst, uh, Austin Deming. Here we go. All right, here we go. This yeah, is so it was, it was kind of a cool view from my perspective because I was on first base and like you, like you just said it was a it was a pretty big spot and right off the bat you knew it, you know it was it was gone so it was it was a pretty awesome moment just especially from my view being on first base it was it was pretty awesome what goes on in that little what what's said in that little huddle <laughs> depends the, the bat boy and you, everybody. sometimes I'll just say like good job I, I, I don't remember what I said specifically <laughs> but I just we were just kind of laughing because like they put me on and then he just had a big time homer so it, it was it's fun it's always fun to do the little helmet hug. Okay, so now we're going to turn the tables a little bit because you had an inside the park home run. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to watch that, and Cole, we want you to analyze <laughs> the inside the park home run from Austin Deming. So let's take a look at this one. Including the burst of speed. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Around mm -hmm. the bases. Well, right here, you're going to get a pretty good pitch from the pitcher, pokes it out in the center, and Dem probably thinking, oh, just another single is what I do. Oh, and the center fielder misses it. Dem starts getting on his horse. He's running around. About this time, he's probably really tired, thinking, why is Herring sending me to home? <laughs> as he sneaks in there and gets past the tag. So. Hey, that tag, as we looked at the replay, <laughs> was awfully close. Why didn't you slide? Um, My I... fault, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Were you supposed to tell I was supposed to tell. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but <laughs> no, I, I, I personally didn't think there was going to be a play. The catcher was, was deking me out a little bit because he was just kind of standing there. So I, I slowed up the last, like, 10 feet. And it wasn't as close as it looked in like normal speed, but it was it was closer than I thought it was gonna be. So as you turn second and you're looking at your third base coach Brent Herring, you're not watching the ball which is down back by the wall and he's waving you home and you're thinking, I got an inside the pocket. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah, it, it was pretty funny. I kinda I kinda had an idea once I started that burst of speed you mentioned, once I kinda started really running hard as I rounded second, I was like just based off like where the ball was rolling, I was like, I might actually have a chance to Getting inside the park home. <laughs> so let's, this is for both of you guys. Obviously, senior day was on, on Saturday, and it's a really emotional day. What, what have the last couple of days been like? Have, have, have things kind of settled in? The, has the reality settled in over the last couple of days? Well, for me, I think the reality uh, really started to settle in last week because I, I knew that. Uh, this was potentially going to be our last week. I, I, we still had a chance to make the tournament, but I knew it was uh, perhaps unlikely. And after that Thursday game with the, with the win from one of the teams that we needed to lose, I, I kind of knew it was over, right? Statistic, or just by the numbers, we were going to be eliminated. And so um, I think the next two games, it really started to hit me. Like these really are probably the last two games I ever play um, as a player. And so it's, it's set in for me, honestly, but it's, I'm, I'm glad I'm, Happy for all the things that I was able to accomplish. I'm sad to see it end so soon, but uh, it was really, it was really quite a wonderful experience for who, me. Who gets to hit a home run in their last at bat? <laughs> I mean, the last oh. hurrah, and you know what it is. Right. And, and, and we were waiting for your last at bat, <laughs> and the third out of the season came just before yeah. you were to the plate. But uh, a home run to left field to wrap it up seemed appropriate. Yeah, you know, I, I would say it's not when I wanted things to end, but I don't think I could have had it end any better than that. It's how I would have wanted it to end. Yeah. And, and I remember Dem actually before in the eighth inning when that happened was he looked at me and said, hey, this is it. And I was like, you're right. Like, let's do this thing. But 
Uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't be any happier for how it ended. Like I said, I wish we were still playing right now, but of course it was a, an incredibly emotional moment. I've gone back and watched the video. I don't even know how many times already. So Hey, someday uh, your kids will watch the video. And there you just go. go. Are you serious? <laughs> I was surprised at how composed you stayed for most of the day. Now, obviously I wasn't, I wasn't watching you all afternoon yeah. long, but like there, it was a really, I, I even said this on the broadcast, it's probably the most emotional senior day I've been a part of since I've been covering the program in like seven years. But you stayed pretty composed. Was that just sort of outwardly and inside you were, you were all broken up? Is that kind of um, how it was? It kind of hit me in waves a little bit. And I, if you notice, I kept my sunglasses on all day so that you, <laughs> you couldn't tell. But like, just like a few things like hit me, like when Carter Smith threw his last pitch and, like I w and he got pulled in the inning, just like little things like that. But especially when Reed... Reed went and threw yeah. out that last pitch because we were freshmen together and we went we played summer ball together for a summer so like we just we went through a lot together so like when when I hugged him after his one pitch like it, it I really it really hit me then. Did you guys like I was tipped off before because obviously we needed to be ready for the broadcast purposes that that was probably going to happen. Did you guys know that was coming that he was going to get a chance to throw a pitch? I had no idea until. A probably the inning that it was about to happen and I kind of saw that and some people started talking about it and different things that way and I was like oh this might actually be I, a really cool moment. I only knew because our pitching coach told us the inning before he goes hey just so you guys know Reed's gonna throw the first pitch of the ninth and I was like oh, all right that's pretty sweet. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. To strike. <laughs> yeah. you know, I thought he was gonna really just like lob it but he like got up there and yeah. threw an actual pitch. Yeah, <laughs> came in there. So you win the triple crown in the WCC most home runs RBIs batting average. Um, 19 home runs. So Cole, what, what is it about Austin's swing that makes him <laughs> such an effective hitter? That is such a good question. I think if I had a great answer for that, I, I would probably be as good as him, right? But <laughs> I would say what Dem did this year from any player I've ever played with as a teammate or it is the most impressive single season, individual season that I've ever seen. Um, and I know that there's great players across the country who do amazing things. I'm just saying, Things that I've seen with my own eyes and been able to be a part of game in and game out, I've never seen a season as, in, as impressive as the one Dem put together this year. Were you hitting softballs up there? Did it feel like it? Did the, did the pitcher tell you what he was going to throw? No, no it, it helped having a good lineup around <laughs> me because then I got, I got good pitches to hit and took advantage of them. But I, I had good guys behind me. Obviously, I had Cole behind me the majority of the year. And, he had a great year, so it just having, having good guys around me helps out a lot. Well, staying with that, look, we realize it's about team success, but individually you guys had just mammoth seasons. What do you attribute that to? But also the overall offense for the team was way up this year compared to last year. What, what, do, you, what do you view as the reason why the offense was so potent this year from top to bottom? I think I think as for the how, how the whole lineup was, we really built off each other. Like it wasn't like we relied on two or three guys. We had like five, six, seven guys, and and then like a, an occasional guy here and there that wasn't an everyday guy would come in. Like Easton Jones would right. ha, had some had some good games for us. So it's really good just to know that you can rely on five, six guys instead of two or three or even like one guy. So that that really helps us build off each other. Maybe one of the quiet guys <laughs> was Cooper Vest. Yep. who was not part of Murder's Row, so to speak, of, of the home run hitters, but uh, came up, I think he was in the seven spot, and, uh, and, and what, was over 350, and, and that made it for a pitcher difficult. I, how am I going to pitch you guys? Because it isn't cream puffs coming up behind yep. you, um, and, and number one offense in the league. 
Yeah, I think we had a lot of really confident and prepared hitters in the lineup, like every single game. And that's I think that's why we were as good as we were. Is there were a lot of older guys. I mean, Dem being his fifth year here, myself obviously being a senior, Sapiti being a senior. So there was a lot of older guys, and then you sprinkle in some of the younger, really talented kids as well. It's just a really confident, and then we had really good plans going into games, and so we had a prepared lineup as well. One of the most underappreciated that I appreciate about the two of you is how many guys you threw out from the outfield and your rocket arm from, from third base. When, uh, when either of you have an opportunity to wind up and fire, whether it's to the plate or to second base or over to first, um, it's impressive. Uh, what's more impressive to you, your swing or your arm? <laughs> what's more impressive to me? <laughs> what's more impressive uh, about De Deming can hit home runs, but the way he plays third base and that arm over to first. Yeah. No, it's been fun watching them play, and he's he's made some amazing plays over there. But undoubtedly, for me, uh, the hitting part is just more impressive. Yeah. And hitting home runs in general is way more fun than making yeah. a great play. So, <laughs> At the next anyways. level, though, as you look for jobs, being able to throw guys out is equally as important, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So what is next for you? Dem, I know you've said that you would certainly love to keep playing baseball if the opportunity presented yep. itself. I've not necessarily heard, Cole, from, from you on that. What's, what is next for both of you guys? Uh, yeah, I'll go first, I guess. I, I think if there was a team that was genuinely interested in different things like that, I would entertain, of course, any offer or opportunity that came my way. Um, I have some opportunities elsewhere that I've prepared myself for, maybe in the business world, but I love the game of baseball, and I want to see uh, what opportunities might exist there, too. If it's not as a player, um, you know, having opportunities to be involved in other ways. He'll definitely be a coach one day. So. <laughs> but, yeah, like you said, I I'm hoping to keep playing. I've, I've got a, Cole's got a few years on me. He's a little bit of an old cat, but <laughs> I've got. I'm hope I'm hoping to keep playing. I I'm hoping that I'll get a little bit of a shot here. So that's that's my plan as of now. Well, you've earned a shot. Yes, you have. Sure. Let's finish on this one. The Big 12's coming next year for the for the program. How different will the opening day roster look next spring than the one that finished uh, back on Saturday? Clearly, you, Sapiti. <laughs> Um, Wilk gone, so the four big home run contributors for the most part are, are out, but um, there's changes coming about because the league's going to be so different. What do you think? There'll be some familiar faces for yeah. sure. I mean, you already mentioned a couple of them. You know, yeah. Cooper Vest is going to be a, a great player for him next year. And then maybe some of those guys that we mentioned before that weren't everyday guys, including a guy like Easton Jones, maybe he sees himself playing a lot more often. But regardless of what happens, there's going to be change, and there's going to be a lot of it, and, and I really wish him the best going forward. Yeah, I think just piggybacking off that, like we'll have injured guys back. Reuter will be back behind the plate, battling with Goff to see kind of who's yeah. going to have that role. And then like Brock Watkins will be back at shortstop, and then I'm sure there'll probably be a few transfers here and there. So it, it's going to definitely be different, but they're going to have four or five key guys back. Good. Well, guys, just because you graduated doesn't mean uh, that we can't still give you the BYU Sports Nation karma. So we'll give both of you the karma for whatever's <laughs> next in your, uh, in your life. And we appreciate you guys coming in. Uh, I get a chance to spend a lot of time with you guys. You guys are fantastic. And, uh, boy, it was fun to watch you guys for your careers. Thank you, Chef. Thank, Thank you. you. Life karma is actually better than game <laughs> So good luck with all that. Appreciate it. If you've missed any of our interviews, our shows, just anything we do here at BYU TV Sports, we're all waiting for you at BYUSN.com or download the BYU TV app. Get all the BYU TV Sports content on demand. Up next, which game on BYU football schedule is the biggest, according to us, 
as well as some guy on the internet. Well, we'll tell you in the Cougar Whip Around. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. Jason Shepard and Dave McCann with you. Let's get to today's headlines. Let's do it. Former BYU basketball signee Jake Wallene transfers to Utah, 6'8 forward, opens up a, a scholarship spot on the roster for Mark Pope if he hasn't already filled it. Uh, <laughs> signed with BYU before mission to Lithuania, and now he's, uh, he's playing for the school up north. Well, we just had him on. He just left the, uh, the Studio B. Uh, Austin Deming was named the West Coast Conference Player of the Week for the second time this season. Listen to these numbers. Deming hit 583 with four home runs, two doubles, 11 runs batted in, and seven runs scored in the season-ending series versus Pepperdine. He was on fire. We mentioned the 19 home runs. He had 24 doubles. Crazy. Just a, just a beast at the plate. Track and field will compete in the NCAA West prelim starting tomorrow in Sacramento. BYU has 64 entries, second most in program history. The ninth-ranked men will compete tomorrow and Friday. The 20th-ranked women compete Thursday and Saturday. Those who advance go on to Austin, Texas in June at the NCAA Championships. You know what? They got a chance to win it. That's right. They absolutely do. And uh, we will talk with BYU high jumper Sierra Tidwell-Alfin. She'll be on the show tomorrow. She'll give us a quick look uh, in at practice and give us a preview of what's to come at the prelims. All right, those are today's headlines. Now, let's whip it. Cougar Whip Around is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. NFL approved a new bylaw yesterday allowing teams to carry a third quarterback on game day without burning a roster spot as long as the quarterback's already on the 43-man roster. So what does that mean for Jaron Hall? Well, hopefully what it means is that he's going to make the 53-man roster and, and be in the mix of quarterback. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't realize that the emergency quarterback wasn't a thing. Like, it hadn't been a thing for a while. So I, I had no idea that it needed to be brought back. But look. Hey, after we struggled to watch the <laughs> NFC Championship last yeah, year, true. when the 49ers were playing a right tackle yeah. at quarterback or something like that. And Steve said he was in the park. Steve, Steve Young said he was in the, the parking lot ready to roll. This is a good rule. You've got to have more than two quarterbacks, yeah. especially at such a high level with so much at stake. And, uh, and I think it's great for Jaron Hall. Yeah, absolutely. If it, if it gives him an opportunity to be on the 53-man roster as the third quarterback, more power to him, absolutely. All right, the Big 12 put seven teams into the big dance, and Baseball America projects that the conference will be putting seven teams into the NCAA tournament. So who's going to have it tougher, Dave? Is it BYU basketball or BYU baseball going into the Big 12? This is a, that's a good question. Uh, initially, and all, all along, we said basketball is heading into the toughest conference in America, yep. this, this, and this. But with the pieces that Mark Pope and his staff have added, I think basketball is more prepared to go into this tough conference than baseball is right now. Now, baseball has some time, yeah. but we just talked to two of the guys who are leaving. Uh, their program, their time is done at BYU. I think baseball is, is going to have a harder time in entry of year one in the Big 12 than men's basketball. Call me crazy, but this baseball league 
is really, yes. really good. It is really, really good. And both teams, both programs are going to have, it's going to be a learning curve for everybody. I, I still will lean towards BYU basketball. And, and you've mentioned it. We've talked about it so much. It is without question the toughest conference in college basketball. And when you look up and down all of yeah, the teams, everything that they've accomplished, you're talking about a couple of national championships recently out of the Big 12. For me, the answer is clearly BYU basketball. I think basketball is in a better position to compete than baseball is right now going into two amazingly tough leagues. We'll see. We'll see. Trent Pratt's got a I'm few just excited that, that we ha we're having this discussion <laughs> and it is finally reality, Dave. Joey Hickey from LonghornsWire.com lists each Big 12 team's biggest game on the schedule this season. Now, I don't know Joey Hickey, but I'm sure he knows exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> he's got BYU's biggest game against TCU in Fort Worth. Do you agree? Look, I can certainly understand why he would say TCU because if, if you look at the schedule, that's that's after Arkansas, BYU's last non-conference, and then you're jumping into conference play with Kansas, Cincinnati, and then TCU followed by Texas Tech. So it's, it is a very tough game where the schedule places it, let alone a really, really good team who obviously we saw in the national championship game. Now, they lost some players, but they also reloaded. I, I can understand why he says that. I still probably lean towards either Texas or Oklahoma. Texas, because it's Texas, and Oklahoma, you're getting Oklahoma in Provo. That is a massive game at the end of the year. So I, I think a case can be made for Oklahoma. Yeah. I'm circling Texas, but our friend, Joey Hickey, is going with TC. Okay, right. look, I, we can't argue with, with Joey Hickey. <laughs> Not, not from Longhorns Wire. Not from Longhorns Wire. Now, why didn't he put Texas, BYU is Texas' biggest game? Oh, because they have nine other opponents. There you that, go. That think they're the biggest. Everybody's going to circle Texas. It's <laughs> like when you get the schedule, you just find out where Texas is. Exactly. All right, with BYU hitting the transfer portal hard this offseason, we look back at the top five transfers in BYU football history. Who's number three? Again, Dave is fixated on number three. We will get to all of them five through one when we come back. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. Uh, before we get to our Top 5 Tuesday, let's head out to Cedar Hills Golf Course where our uh, very own Spencer Linton uh, has decided to golf today instead of coming into work. Although the good thing is, this actually is work for him. He is uh, participating in the, uh, the BYU Corporate Sponsorship Golf Scramble. He and Jerem Jordan, we'll talk with Jerem coming up in a few minutes. Hi, Spencer, how are you? Things look beautiful out there today. Hello, gentlemen. So kind of you to hang out in Studio B so that I can be here at Cedar Hills Golf Course and hanging out with some amazing sponsors that help BYU Athletics. In fact, I should probably introduce my two friends that I uh, am lucky enough to play golf with today, they are representing Ken, the Ken Garf Automotive Group. They've been awesome to BYU Athletics. They are Nate Sato Hello. and Matt Jensen. Hey, guys. And, Hi, guys. And uh, Nate and Matt, are car they're carrying the group, you guys. <laughs> so I'll try and pick it up on the back end. We're five under par through nine holes, so feeling pretty good about where we are. If we get to 11 or 12 under, maybe we got a shot at finishing in the top five. We'll see. All right, we're going to have you tee it up here in a second, see what you got. Our question of the day okay. has been, does BYU need a clear-cut number one receiver to be successful here in the fall? And if so, who do you think it should be? 
Well, I'm just going to go to last year and point out the fact that while Puka Nakua was incredible for the first quarter and a half of that game against USF in Tampa, once he got injured and was out and Gunnar Romney was out, then it was kind of a collection of, you know, awesome from some young guys and Chase Roberts, who was amazing against Baylor. And then Cody Epps had some breakout performances, throwing some Keanu Hill, who was really good. And Dave, I know you've talked to his uncle, Roy Williams, and, and we're excited to watch, uh, you know, Keanu play in the Big 12 and get back in front of some of his family and he gets into Texas. But I so based on what I saw last year while they were waiting for Puka Nakua to get healthy and Gunnar Romney to try and get in. Hey, like, it's Cosmo. Hey, showed up. It's, it's Cosmo. Yeah, of course he shows up when the TV cameras are on, right? <laughs> this is what he this is what he does. Um, but to answer the question, you know, I, I don't feel like there has to be a clear cut number one because BYU proved that they could just kind of get it done with a core of receivers last year. And all of that core is back. The three guys I referenced, Cody Epps, Keanu Hill, Chase Roberts, and then you throw in a couple of, you know, key transfers uh, and Keelan Marion and Darius Lasseter. And I, I don't feel like there has to be a clear cut number one because they're all so different yeah. from each other. Um, if I had to pick a guy who I feel like has the highest ceiling, it's probably Cody Epps uh, and his ability to, to get open and his elite route running and his, you know, maneuverability and his suddenness and his quickness in the slot. So I'd probably lean towards Cody Epps right now. Um, but watch out for Keelan Marion. I, got, yeah. I think that guy is – he's the guy that can take the lid off of a defense, and and he's averaging over 17 yards a catch at UConn. So I, I like him as a dark horse as well to maybe be the lead deep threat for BYU. All right. Uh, we're going to have you hand your phone off uh, to one of your okay. teammates here. And before we let you go, oh, we want to get we want to get the swing live <laughs> on BYU Sports Nation. So wanna... make your way over to the Butler cabin, and uh, let's, oh, let's see what happens oh, here. Oh, boy. We want to oh, see who boy. the clear-cut okay. number one golfer is in this group right here with your swing. Well, I told you, it's Nate Sato. Like, it, it, it's Nate. <laughs> Nate's carrying the group but i'll i've grabbed my weapon of choice here and remember and remember nothing that happens on this show is archived <laughs> last year you put it right I'm glad down the that middle. you brought that up there's no pressure last year you put it right down the middle so we're gonna see 12 it seems like 12 months later you should be better so i'm curious to see where this one goes okay right. okay here we go all right okay so nate nate's gonna take over the camera here he might have to flip it around a little bit okay all right. All right, so here we are live at uh, Cedar Hills Golf Course. Right, Dave, you give the play-by-play here. The BYU corporate sponsor, Golf Scramble. It looks like, I can't tell, let's call it a par four. It's uh, a par four. It, it's playing a 267 today, so a little short par four today. How's the wind? How, what's the wind going to do to Spencer's no, shot? Here? No wind. No, Absolutely no, no okay. wind. No excuses. All excuses are off the board. Okay, here we go. Don't rush it. He's, he's already on the clock for taking too long, but... Oh, that oh, is right, right. That's pretty. At it. That's a pretty. It's a pretty swing. It's looking good. It's fading nicely towards the center of the fairway. I'm two for two, guys. Hey, <laughs> you know what? Some people retire after being two for two, but we encourage you to play on. All right, Spencer. Great stuff. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your golf morning. Hey, great to see you guys. Appreciate your time. Go Cougs, and uh, give some love to Ken Garf as well. There All we right. go. Spencer Linton from Cedar Hills Golf Course. We'll, we'll check in with Jerem uh, coming up a little bit later on. That's he's right. He's usually putting on this show, so we'll <laughs> see. Uh, that was great camera work by the guys. It was, and good commentary as well. Nice All right, job. so we've teased it. It's time now for our Top 5 Tuesday. Top 5 All-Time Football Transfers. Here we go. Number 5 was just in studio a couple of weeks ago. Harvey Longy. 
transferred from Utah, if you remember, over the three years at BYU, 137 tackles, 11 and a half for loss, five sacks, a couple of picks. He was a force, signed as an undrafted free agent with the Patriots in 2017 on the Super Bowl roster when they took on the Eagles. And uh, you know what? He might be on another roster this fall. Harvey Longy, number five. Number four, James Dye, one of my favorites, transferred in from Utah State. He was the number one ranked punt returner in the nation back in 1995 with just under 22 yards per return. He had four punt return touchdowns and one kick return touchdown while at BYU. He also caught a 32-yard touchdown pass in the famous Cotton Bowl versus K-State, and you can't forget the catchphrase from the opposing teams. If you punt, you die, D-Y-E, at number four. Fantastic. So who's the middle child in this top five, <laughs> number three? How about Steve Sarkeesian, transferred from El Camino College, the WAC Player of the Year in 96, second-team All-American. He threw for over 7,700 yards and 55 touchdowns in just two seasons at BYU. Won the Cotton Bowl. He's the head coach of the Texas Longhorns. He's going to roll out the welcome mat for BYU October 28th in Austin. I still maintain the most underrated quarterback in BYU history. Probably right. Number two, wide receiver Puka Nakua. He was the number one player from the state of Utah in 2019 out of Orem High School. Dave loves that. Transferred after two years at Washington with his brother Samson, who came in to the program from Utah. He had 91 receptions, 1,400-plus receiving yards, 11 receiving touchdowns, and five rushing touchdowns as well. Had the unbelievable tiptoe catch in the corner of the end zone versus Boise State to beat the Broncos so in Boise. So unbelievable. This one here was spectacular. This, this is uh, one of the couple he got against Arkansas. How about this one? It's not bad. A little back shoulder. Drafted by the Rams, the last pick in the fifth round down in L.A. Amazing athlete to watch play football. All right, the number one transfer all time at BYU has to be Max Hall. Came from Arizona State. He's BYU's winningest quarterback of all time with 32. Led the Cougars to a number 12 final ranking in 2009. Threw for over 11,000 yards and 94 touchdowns. Just think about that for a moment in just three seasons. Still holds the record for the most career passing touchdowns in the Mountain West Conference. Upset number three, Oklahoma. There he is celebrating the upset, or not the upset, but beating number 21, Utah, on senior night in 09. He's always on this show. We love him. The great Max Hall, number one. Can't argue with that uh, top five. Some of the greatest ever in BYU history. Wouldn't it be nice if the new top five are in the current transfers coming in this year? Let's go. I'll take it. I will take that and uh, run with it, as Big a matter of fact. Big times would be ahead. Yes, Big indeed. Big times would be ahead. Yes, indeed. All right, coming up, a rise and shout-out to the coach behind all of the wide receivers that we've been talking about today. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation's on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU radio apps or listen to the podcast, subscribe, rate, and review. Enjoy it all. Alongside Dave McCann, I'm Jason Shepard. Our question of the day revolving around, around a wound, uh, 
Mowage, yes, uh, for all of you that know. If you know, you know. We know. Uh, yes, the BYU receiving core that uh, will take the field for the Cougars this year. Does BYU need a clear-cut number one wide receiver to be successful this season? If so, who will it be? Uh, on Instagram, Caleb McKay says, I think Cody Epps will lead the group, but no, you don't need a number one. It's better if the defense doesn't know who you're going to in clutch situations. Okay, Eric Evanson on Twitter, Keanu Hill could be that guy. He was the healthiest of the three that are coming back. Being on the field helps you be the number one guy. That's true. He's more than capable of, of doing that, especially at 6'4". He can, he's got a body that yeah. can take a bunch of hits and, and keep going. Uh, I, I think uh, he'd certainly be a target. Our elite voice of the day is presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated, and it comes from Christopher Ward on Facebook. Uh, Christopher says, no, it looks like we need five clear-cut receivers to all show up each week to do what we want in the Big 12. So he thinks that you're going to need everybody playing at the being number one receivers in the Big 12. He says, Hill is a young superstar who will be getting his time to shine. Epps is very solid, and Roberts showed up and made huge plays when his number was called. Look, I... I don't look at the fact that you have a lot and thinking that you don't have anybody. I think you've got a lot of guys that could potentially be a number one, and I think that's good for BYU. Every quarterback gravitates toward a number one. We'll see who True. All right, let's head back out our second time out to Cedar Hills a Golf Course. BYU's corporate sponsorship, Golf Scramble, is underway. You heard from Spencer Linton in our last segment. Now joining us out on the course is Jerem Jordan. All right, where are you at, Jerem? What, uh, what hole are you on now at Cedar Hills? What are we on, guys? Not seven. We're on hole seven. We started on 16. I believe we we're five under through nine or ten. I'm with the doTERRA guys. We're having a great time. What up? Hey, doTERRA, pursue what's pure. <laughs> we just, met, we okay. just met the Ken Garf guys. Are the doTERRA guys better than the Ken Garf guys, Jerem? Listen, oh, I definitely. Yes, you heard it from these guys. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen. Smell better. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay, so we put our, uh, you know, shot out of the tee box. Uh, you know, off. We're, we're in the rough here. We need a good shot here. We have a couple on the green already. So if we can't get something better for me right here, obviously we're good. So no pressure on me, but but here we go. Let's see what I can uh, do. Right. No, no pressure, Jeremy. We just watched the PGA Championship, yeah. so four days of the world's best. So there's no pressure on, on what we're about to see. Okay. All right. This is Jeremy Jordan in the rough. Uh-oh. Uh, we've joined Make the it up the hill. We've joined... You know, hey, the video froze, so we joined the shot midway. So you don't even have to take credit for taking that <laughs> shot. Look at that. It's in the hole. It's in the hole. <laughs> there we go. That's a beautiful finish. What matter? You know, we cut away. We're back. And uh, Crazy technology. You're golfing with, uh, with uh, a lot of the folks that help make BYU function as far as uh, the corporate sponsors. And that's a vital part of the athletic department. Big time, big time to have uh, doTERRA and Ken Garf and everybody involved in BYU Athletics. It's going to be a bigger deal in the Big 12, right? So everybody's uh, up in their game, which is awesome. All right, Jerem, we appreciate it. Uh, it looks like a gorgeous day out there. Enjoy the rest of the, uh, the scramble, and, uh, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, guys. There we go. Don't let that chip define your day out there. Yeah, when it froze, I'm like, at this point, he could say whatever happened. It's like, the beauty of technology. It is the beauty of technology <laughs> happening live.
<laughs> things froze. We should have more live golf on this show. I think it's great. Yeah. We finally got the snow out of here. The baseball game we had Saturday in the finale, it was the first hot day. Yes, it was. It was upper 70s, but mm-hmm. it was the first time fans were like, man, it's hot. And it the was the whole season. It was the first three-game three game stretch at home where all the games were warm and above 70 degrees. Yeah. It took us the entire season to get to that point. Fireworks the night, the Friday night was spectacular. And they had a big game. Deming hit two three-run home runs. Yeah. And, of course, uh, the grand slam from Gamble. And those were guests earlier in the show. And what a, what, a, what a way to go out. They'd rather be in the conference tournament, which starts tomorrow in Vegas. But just... You know, the, the, you got to have pitching, fielding, and hitting. They had hitting, best yeah. offense in the league. The other two areas weren't as good. And so we had them on the show today instead of them being in Vegas. That's right. Great careers, though, at BYU. Let's get back to our question of the day. Does BYU need a clear-cut number one wide receiver to be successful this season? And if so, who will it be? Uh, on Twitter, 26 Simo. I hope I said that right. Uh, I think Chase Roberts has the tools to be the guy like Eric Drage yep. and Chuck Cutler were. Maybe not the fastest or most athletic, but catches everything thrown his way and knows how to get open. It won't take long to figure out who Slovis trusts to make the catch. I think Roberts is fast, and he is athletic, and I agree with that. He could definitely be a number one. I was really impressed with what we saw from Chase Roberts last year. I thought he more than proved what his worth is to that receiving room, and I expect nothing more the, or nothing but but more of that this upcoming season. I agree. It, on, and I said this to begin, I didn't necessarily, even if you don't get the transfers that came in, I didn't look at this as a position group that was weak. I, I liked what BYU had coming back. It, somewhat unproven in terms of like the sheer number of targets, but I, I know the talent is there. I still go back to what we were talking about earlier. In BYU's history, when the tight end has been the focus the receivers yep. all prosper. And we could have five number twos. That's right. Isaac Rex can be the solid yeah. number one. And that's, that's kind of what I'm looking for. Once, and it'll be revealed at Arkansas when it's power against power, where are our guys going? And when it's third and whatever and Slovis needs to find somebody, yep. who does he look to first? All right, today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Since we're talking about all the receivers, how about we go with the receivers coach, Fessy Satake, bringing these talented guys in. Special thanks to our guests today, Austin Deming and Cole Gamble. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, BYUSN.com. For Dave, I'm Jason. Shout out to Mason Marshall, BYUSN. Back tomorrow, noon Eastern. Go Cougs.